This is the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I am Justin Oswald, Executive Pastor of Transformation Church. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Justin Oswald underscore. Proceed with caution. With me is Brad Livingston. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Super excited about today. And uh, just like Justin said, uh, catch us on Twitter, Instagram. Uh, You can catch me at Brad Livingston underscore uh and so yeah come check us out um hey listen we would love to hear y'all's feedback you know before we get into what we have today we would love to hear what you guys have to say we know there's uh we're already getting feedback from people all over man in uh, you know just different states and and friends here in pensacola so um, man, send us, uh, send, we would love to hear your feedback. We'd also love to hear some of your questions. So we've talked about fear, uh, unforgiveness, you know, we're, we're talking about icebergs in our life. And so as we're dealing with, uh, fear, unforgiveness, and then we have one for today, uh, man, we would love to hear your questions. So, uh, please, man, send us, uh, an email. You can send that email to, uh, Follow up at transformationchurch.com. So follow up at transformationchurch.com. Send that over to us and we would love to answer whatever emails you got. And uh, yeah, man, just, uh, you know, so on the next podcast, we'll answer whatever you guys send in. And uh, we'd love to interact with some of you out there. Uh, as you're listening and, and uh, as thoughts, ideas, questions are coming to your mind. Uh, so yeah, send it over, man. We'd love to hear it. So uh, super excited, man. Excited yeah. about today. Yeah, man, today's going to be good. I'm, I really like this series and we seem to be getting some pretty good feedback, at least, you know, around the around the building on on Sunday mornings, you know, when uh, we're here at church, you know, after the service and all that. Um, what I love what I love about the the series is the practicality that comes along with it. You know, I sure. think it's it's uh, it's easy to take this ma- this material, uh, you know, this this content and apply it to your daily life. I'm really I'm really digging it. I like it. Yeah, man, we and we've been hearing, you know, different people, even new folks that are, you know, joining the church and uh, some of those things. Uh, sim- you know, there's very similar conversations going on between all of us, which is, uh, you know, sometimes, I mean, sometimes in churches, we tend to just put everything over everyone's head. You know, I mean, we, we try to hyper spiritualize everything. We try to get into like the ridiculous hermeneutics with, you know, uh, crazy uh, descriptions in the exegetical world with um, overcomplicated homiletics. See all that I just said right there, like it all means stuff and it's valuable to, to most of us as pastors, but man, to, uh, to John Smith, who's sitting out there in the congregation, he don't need, you know, I love what pastor Chris Hodges says. He doesn't need the Greek word for life raft. He just needs someone to throw him one. You yeah, know? <laughs> for sure. Yeah. All those things are, are important. great and important. important. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, when you understand the mission of your church, at least with our church, within the context and what Sunday morning is for, uh, the person that we're all there gathered for, other other than, I mean, we're all gathered for Jesus, but the, the person that walks in the room that we're all there for, he needs the life raft. Right, you know? right. We'll, we'll, we'll tell him the Greek word for and all that and break down all that at, at, at another point in time with him, but... Um, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's practicality. It's life application. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we've dealt with, you know, throughout the whole series, just kind of a brief overview. Like we said, uh, the first one we dealt with was fear. You can go back and listen to the, both the sermon and the follow-up podcast for fear. Um, then the second one was unforgiveness. Um, so you can check out both of those. And then, uh, today, Justin, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the iceberg, the ice of vanity. Vanity. All right. So, 
Um, man, it's such a such a huge one. And we were I, when we started putting this one together, there was really uh, one there was one word we were trying to tackle. There was one theme we were trying to tackle. Um, and the theme that we were trying to tackle was peace. So we were really trying to talk about how we all need peace in our life. Um, and vanity is the biggest disruption to peace. This constant pursuit after the latest, the greatest, the biggest, the best, the baddest, the more expensive, yeah. the shinier, the you know, the more valuable, the promotions, the careers, the education, like this constant pursuit after all these things in our life. Which, um, you know, if if they're not God centered, right, then they disrupt our peace. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm, there's plenty of education out there. There's things out there that, um, you know, that those things aren't bad. Um, but when we put them in the context of what God wants for us and God wants to do in us, then we're having a conversation about, uh, whether or not they're healthy. Um, but most people aren't trying to do things for the gospel. They're not trying to do things for the kingdom. They're not trying to further their relationship with the Lord through all these, through obtaining all these things. Uh, really at the end of the day, they just want, feel like they want to add more value to themselves. Yeah. And what I love about this is, you know, that's the American the American dream the American, almost, right? right? Like we, we, we want, we want things. It, it's, it's the evidence, like our, our belongings, our stuff is evidence that I've made it or I've done something. Right. You right, know, right. and what's, what's, what's great about this is, um, I think all those things are fine in and of themselves. Like I'm a driven person, like I, and I have things I own a, I own a home, I have a car and right. all these things. But, um, when they take the place or get in the way, I think of God's purpose for our lives, then it becomes a problem. But all those things you just named are like the American dream, right? right, right it's right. keeping up, you know, that, that keeping up with the Joneses or how, how many times from a financial standpoint, you know, like I'm, I love Dave Ramsey's, uh, I drank the Dave Ramsey Kool-Aid, you know, but it's like you, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you buy things with money you don't have to impress people you don't like, you right. know, and it's, it's, uh, it's interesting to me. Let's read this definition of vanity. Definition of vanity. So uh, we've uh, we defined it as uh, the excessive pride in or admiration of one's own achievements. Um, so the things that I accomplish. Um, but I thought it was interesting. The second definition I thought was interesting because the second definition is the quality of being worthless or futile. And I thought it was funny how in two different definitions, they're talking about people's achievements, but then they're talking about things being worthless. And it's like, yeah, I, I, it kind of segued us right into the sermon, um, you know, that we get into between Solomon and, and Paul and both of their writings, seeing that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, what, what are they trying to communicate about what we obtain on this earth? Yeah. And that first definition I can relate to. Right. Like that's that's me or oh, that that's the, the natural me. You know, that's what, what you battle because, you know, there there's a sense of accomplishment when you want something, whether you need it or not. And even if you work toward it. And you work for it and then you go get it. It's a sense of pride. Well, yeah, it's, it's it's an achievement. Yeah. Who doesn't want to be good at something? Right. Well, you know, and who doesn't want to have a pat on the back when they are, you know what I'm saying? It's like, um, I don't think that any of these things are bad, you know, uh, just like you said, I mean, listen, me and my wife, we have a nice house, you know, we don't have a mansion. We just have a nice house. We have, um, you know, we both have a car, you know, I, I, I don't have to pray that it cranks every morning when I get in it. You know what I mean? Like it's, but it's also not a 2018, $60,000, whatever. Like it's not, you know what I mean? I drive a 2008 truck, 
you know, that uh, I take really good care of and I love it and we have a nice house. So, you know, so we're not at the same time, we're not sitting up here trying to tell everyone that you need to live in a shack. You need to drive, you know, a car that you don't even know if it's going to crank in the morning. Like, what, That's not what we're saying here. You know what I mean? What, what we are saying is it's not having things. It's the constant pursuit of better things. Right. And, and, um, excess, excess, you know, or even what, you know, lacking contentment, you know, I think the Bible, um, was pretty clear, you know, me be content in all things. And I think the reason for that is exactly what we talked about with this vanity, which is, um, uh, you know, if we're content, then we're not restless. Um, and we need to learn to rest with what we have and have peace. So let's move into the points. Okay. So the, the first point on dealing with the ice of vanity is, uh, recognize what drives us. Right, right. Recognize what drives us. So um, I think in this particular arena, we, we see what we broke down is there's two areas that drive of us, uh, drive us. There's two, two different things that I feel like um, as humans push us um, to constantly be striving. The first one is that, uh, that we aren't enough. You know what I mean? We feel like we're not enough. And because we feel like we're not enough, um, you know, we feel like, we don't, we don't think we're worth it. And because we don't think we're worth uh, much, we feel like we have to obtain things to be worth more. You know what I mean? If I can, if I can get more, therefore I'm worth more. Yeah. Um, and we have to recognize the value that belongs to us already. You know what I'm saying? Um, which can kind of put us in that quote um, that we put in the sermon that says we've allowed ourselves, uh, I'm sorry, we've allowed our value to be established by our belongings rather than uh, allowing our belonging to establish our value. Yeah, that's good. So the things that we can obtain, we, we've allowed the things that we can obtain to tell us what we're worth, as opposed to who we belong to being uh, the thing that drives what we're worth. You know, And, and when we're in Christ, there is n- there's no greater value that's going to come by obtaining things more than what you've already established in your life that's already been uh, given to you through the cross. I mean, Jesus paid the highest price for you. Yeah. You know, Jesus paid the highest price for me uh, and for us. And so since he's already paid that price, our value is already dictated because like we've talked about a couple of weeks ago, your value is only dictated not by um, what a book says something's worth. Your value is only dictated by what someone's willing to pay for you. And so since Jesus has already done that, we know that we're worth the highest price. So we don't have to obtain things to create value in us. Jesus already did it uh, on the cross. And this is a mind shift, I think, for for most people in the sense of, especially people that maybe didn't grow up in church. You know, maybe you grew up in a family where your your dad is a business owner, you know, and, and he's driven, right? So it, not that that's a bad thing. Like, sure. I think that's incredible. But you, you the, the what I, I feel like can be taught sometimes, even just through action is, you know, this is, this defines me, you know, and, and I'm going to pass this on to you and you're going to build this. And, you know, that's where your value is. And it, it's kind of reading this quote. It, it reminded me of that old saying of, of people, like take a car, like the, the car doesn't make the man, the man makes a car. You got some people that, you know, maybe make 200,000 a year, but they just drive whatever. Cause they don't care. Right. You know, right some right. people feel like they need a, you know, they got a quarter tank of gas in their BMW and they're hoping it lasts the rest of the week, but they got a BMW. They're somebody, you know? Yeah. And it's like, that's insane. That's yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's a, <laughs> uh, it, it's crazy to me. You know, we've had this conversation before. It's crazy to me how particularly we see it a lot with parents and with kids who are going to be going to college. Right. Oh, how, how here we go. How parents, <laughs> how parents project onto their kids, the life that they wish they had, or this expectation to live up to the life that they 
that they did have. Right. So like, man, because I went to UCLA, my kid has to go to UCLA or because I went to, you know, my kid has to have this division one education, um, four year degree, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and so yeah. the, these parents push this on there because they, they, they have began to define themselves. Their, their self-worth they is yeah, wrapped they're, up they're, in their kids accomplishment. Yeah. Or, it, or, or, or the, putting the pressure on their kids to live up to their accomplishments. Right. You know what I mean? I went to that college. I got this degree. You need to go and you need to get that degree. Yeah. Um, and not to say the college is bad. You know, there's plenty of plenty of jobs out there. You know, I think about Chris and Adam's brother, Rockwell, man. Like he, you know, he, uh, compute like an engineer like he needs to have those ones and zeros under his belt to know what to you know what I mean? so I, i'm not saying college is bad for everyone i'm saying the pressure by a lot of parents for kids to live up to the parents expectation um so that the parents can see value that's insane well and it yeah college college i have my views on on college for a lot of a lot of areas of of you know industry or whatever but ultimately i think it comes down to figuring out the kid like you know that even the parents whatever their idea of the value is and what it teaches kids you know you got a you got a parent's kid get into middle school and high school that that makes you know maybe d's or, or maybe even maybe make c's in algebra and the parents just ragging them because they're not making a's when the kid walks around with a a, a book all day drawing and humming you know the kid's never gonna the, the kid's passion is was in was within the arts you the know kid's artistic he's yeah. artistic yeah so you know maybe the maybe an a in in geometry is is not is not within the realm of uh what this kid's gonna accomplish and i think that's okay like we've made it where their value is is wrapped up in, in grades and, and things like that. It's like your kid's humming all day and you want them to play basketball because boys play basketball, but the kid wants to right, draw right, and sing, right. you know, but um, for the dad, it he's afraid his friends will think something's wrong with his son because his kid's not playing t-ball with the rest of the kids, you know, and I, I, what does that do in, in, in a kid's head where their value, you know, what their value is going back to what you said, you know, what something's worth is what someone's willing to pay for it, you know, and going back to what you said about Jesus paying, paying the ultimate price, our values in that, not in, I played sports and my dad loves me because of it, you know, yeah. or whatever, which um, is it, which, you know, which takes us to another point. That's not, not what we're going to talk about for the next <laughs> five minutes. But, um, man, if, if parents aren't instilling that, Parents, you have to instill the value into your children, not derive value from your children. Hello. And like, man, you have to create the value in your child. Um, and particularly, man, like when it comes to discipling your child, like disciple your children. Don't leave that up to the church. Don't leave that up to Sunday school or children's church or or the pastor or the teachers. No, like we should be uh, reaffirming and confirming what the Bible says in your kids based on what you already taught them. Don't leave that up to us. Like that is not on our plate, man. Um, we said in the first episode, you know, there, there's 168 hours in a week sending your 14 year old to youth group one hour a week is not going to undo the 167 hours of uh, Instagram, cool. Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, public school system, or just your dysfunctional home. Or, or yeah, or you and your husband yelling at each other, <laughs> right. you know. Throwing from, shoes at th around. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like, man, it's it's not going to undo all that. So, it is, man. Parents, you know, like, it is up to you to paint the picture of what 
of what discipleship looks like, of what it lead, what it means to lead your children and create value in them. And so we really need to be creating value, um, you know, in the people around us, um, in our kids, as, as parents, in our kids. Um, and then at the end of the day, I think the only way that can happen again is by recognizing that you are enough. Yeah. Like we get driven because we don't feel like we're enough, but in reality, we are enough, not because we're awesome, but because Jesus already paid the price for us. And until you realize your value, you're going to be in a constant state of trying to obtain things to try to create more value. In reality, you don't need it. Right. So, um, awesome. So that takes us to the second thing that drives us, uh, which is that, uh, some of us, some of us would never admit this. Uh, we would never say this, but it's that God isn't enough. Like God's not enough for me. Um, now if I were to pin you down on that, would you ever say that that was true? No. Right. Neither would anyone else. Yeah, no. (laughs) No believer would ever say that God isn't enough. Um, But if we were to reflect and look at our life and how we live our life, do some of us, or at some point, all of us, live a life that speaks otherwise? Yeah, of course. Right. So, you know, how, what is that? How do we do that? So how do we, how do we show that God isn't enough, even though we would never say that at our mouth? Well, that we do that by backburnering God for whatever's going on right now. You know, like, you know, we're not going to go to church today. You know, little Johnny's got a soccer tournament. He's three, even though he's never going to make it to the MLS, (laughs) like he's never going to be a pro soccer player. We're going to skip the spiritual aspect of our life and the most important thing to it. So we're going to skip what God has for us so we can go do this thing with Johnny. Um, well, and, and I think about, I think about, um, if God took everything, you know, if God took everything from you, are you still going to, is, is, are you still going to worship him? Right. So he's yeah. enough as long as things are good. You listen, know? listen, folks, <laughs> I want you to go on YouTube right now. Go on YouTube. Are you going to talk about John Piper? Yes. Suffering? Look, yes. Look, I watched it yesterday. Dude, That's hilarious that you said that. Dude, go on YouTube right now. I want you to look up John Piper <laughs> Prosperity Gospel. Yeah. That's it's all that you passion. Need. He was preaching that passion. Well, no, this particular one, so the passion preaching is off of okay. this three-minute clip. I watched that yesterday, believe okay. it or not. That's crazy. So look, look up John Piper Prosperity Gospel. It's like a <laughs> two-minute and 50-second clip um, where John Piper is talking about how God has to be enough in our life. And listen, dude, when I when I when first time I watched this, okay, um, I was, when I say that I was crying when I was watching this, I don't mean that like, tears were slowly like in a dramatic movie scene like i was sobbing when i watched this for the first time like and i wish now i I literally watched this yesterday i had no idea we were going to talk about this (laughs) like and i wish i'd have wrote down the scripture references of what he used in that because there's about a 16 minute video of him talking about the suffering of christian suffering at passion and he talks about the the prosperity which why they had him at passion blows Um, my mind it was was a pin drop but it was it's fantastic you know it's it's you know when you have the prosperity gospel nobody praises the prosperity gospel doesn't make anyone praise jesus and makes them praise prosperity like and like he says of course i'll i'll follow a god that gives me a car like But he's talking about suffering. Like, what happened? Like, we as Christians, we suffer as Christ suffered. You know, and that's Man. that's different. So when you're talking about is God enough? Like, he he's enough. Think about Job. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, he's enough because things are good. But if he took everything from me, if he chose, if he and his sovereignty 
decided to wreck my world, do I wake up tomorrow and still worship him? Yeah, which is yeah. which is why I think guys, I think we have to be careful. I think guys like David Platt, Matt Chandler, John Piper, these guys um, have a very um, Pauline theological viewpoint. What I mean by that is when you go back and read Paul, right? As we read Paul, we see that Paul was abundantly clear, like, man, things are going to get hard. Things are going to be tough. And then when we look at the life of Paul, like bit by a snake, shipwrecked, like <laughs> prison, I mean, prison yeah. Yeah. a couple times, you know, yeah. like, like Paul, the gospel for Paul was not a mansion in a nice car. The gospel for Paul um, was laying down his life um, so that we could see the gospel promoted through him, right? And then, so uh, I think they have a great grasp on what that looked like, and they preach through the gospel um, from the viewpoint of Paul, which, as we all know, is second to Jesus. I mean, Paul was the guy, you know? So um, all that to say, man, when we look at some of these guys, now the hard part is what you can't do is listen to Piper and Chandler and Platt and these guys all the time um, because all of a sudden you're going to find yourself walking around in like a, a you know a nightgown with some sandals on uh, all day every day and like selling your house like you got to be careful with that I, I think there's a balance but what I love about those guys is that you're right it, I mean it, it's God is everything and God is enough and if I lose everything while pursuing after God then so be it because um like the treasures of this world aren't going to last forever. Yeah. And I, I'll give me God, take it all and give me Jesus. You know what I mean? Like the old thing, but yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's two things that almost, well, they, they definitely battle each other as a Christian. You know, you have what you just talked about with advancing the gospel. When you look at the life of Paul and then you have this going back to this American, the American dream, like we want, I want, I want my future kids to have more than I had just like my parents wanted me to have more than they did and these type of things. And, you know, but, but ultimately that's not what I'm here for. Like, that's not what I'm here for, you know? And it's, it's these two things, even in, in the mind that, that battle each other. Like, I, I met with someone yesterday. Like, I, I want to do some real estate stuff, you know, like, but ultimately that's not what I'm here for. That's just, I'm just interested in that, you well, know? Yeah. But, and it's like, then, but that's all that up. the balance thing. Yeah. Like, what are we going to use that for? Right. right. And I think that that's a key point, you know? Um, I don't know that I'll ever get back into the business world as long as I'm pastoring, just because you know me, my mind, like I, I just get absorbed by stuff. So, um, I don't know that I'll ever do that again, but if I do, it will be to fund more mission trips and to give yeah. more to like, you know what I mean? Like that's, and to fund and to, to help support more missionaries overseas and to help pour into our community. Like that's, that's what it's going to be for. So if I do these things that are interesting to me, um, I think that's okay. But I'm not doing them so because I don't feel like God is enough, right? I'm doing them just because I want to do them, and and I'm going to use the excess of what God gives me through that to do more. And I think that that's important because, man, some of you guys out there, you know, you're a paycheck to paycheck person, and that's how you live. And you know, I think that um, I think that there are ways that we need to be freed from that mentality. Um, however. Um, I think that if that's the life we live, that's okay within the idea of, uh, if God continues to keep me at a place where I'm never wealthy, I'm content because God is enough, right? The flip side to that is some of you out there are doctors, you're, you're attorneys, you know what I mean? Like you, you, God has blessed you abundantly, um, through the thing that he called you to. So God called you to be a doctor. God called you to be an attorney. God called you to be whatever else, you know, a nurse, and you make um, a significant amount of money. 
I'm not saying that because you make a lot of money, you have given up on God. That's not what I'm no, saying. No, not at all. And I, and I want to make sure we're clear about that. Not at all. And we're not saying that you should give it all up. I believe that um, there, there's a gentleman in our church right now who is an attorney, and he uses his position um, to influence people in such a positive way for the gospel and, and, and talk to people about Jesus. And, and listen, man, when you need an attorney, you're hurting. You know, yeah, so well, you I, need, you I need know, some help. You know? I know an attorney here in town that, that is a family attorney, and he spent his his life in, with people going through divorce, you know, representing either the husband or the wife. And when he got saved, he, he flipped. He didn't leave being an attorney, but now what he does is he, he come to realize that he spent his whole career, he made all his money destroying marriages is how he put it. And now instead of divorce, he, he has a, an incredible mediation program and uh, where, where couples will come before they get divorced and through his, through his firm, trying to restore that marriage if possible. Awesome. And it's counseling and stuff. So it's not that he has to get, get saved and get rid of everything he's ever done and then go work at a church. Like he's right. reaching more people doing what he's doing. It's just, right. we're, we're all ministers where we're at. You know, right. you may, you, you don't have to um, report to a church office and, and be on staff at a church to, to, be reaching people well and that's how we're going to change the, i mean if, yeah. if the christians are going to influence the world um we're not going to do it by everyone quitting their jobs and no. becoming pastors you know what i mean no. we even mentioned that sunday i mean many most of the people in the congregation are never going to most of you listen to this podcast are never going to preach behind a pulpit you're never going to have a congregation you're never going to be a pastor i mean most of you that is the case um and yet you have so much to do with the gospel and Jesus wants to use your life to impact the other people's lives so much. So not saying, well, ministry is for pastors. Like, man, that's certainly not the case. Like we all have a lot that, you know, we can do. So, um, man, certainly. So we said, we're not enough looking at what drives us. We're not enough. Um, which is a lie. Um, and God's not enough, which is a lie, you know, but, but both of those lies tend to drive us to accomplish things or obtain things, um, and so we have to let go of that. And, and just to throw the scripture reference, we won't read the whole scripture, but in that point, number one of recognizing what drives us, you use um, Ecclesiastes 2, 1, and 3. Correct. Ecclesiastes 2, 1, and 3. So 1 so through 3. And 1 through 3. Yeah. And so what kind of what we're looking at there, Solomon comes to the table and he says, listen, I'm going to test to see in, in his wisdom, I'm going to test to see if there's anything um, that is worth obtaining for the few days that people are on this earth. And he uses the phrase few days, which means the short time, the short time that people are alive on this earth. Is there anything worth obtaining that this earth presents? Um, and, and I think in context, he's kind of talking about in relation to what God presents. So is there anything worth having? Uh, and so he talks about all the things that, you know, that he was looking to have. And I think it was pretty interesting because uh, he even talks about, Throw, I mean, throw in ridiculous parties, 20,000, 40,000 people at these parties. I mean, that's a party, man. That's, that's a party. <laughs> 20,000 people? That's a party. That's a, a large gathering. You that's, know what I'm saying? So, um, and so he, he does all that, brings in comedians, you know what I mean? I mean, just gets gets wrapped up. I mean, my boy had 700 wives. Not no, wise. No, not a chance. No. Not wise. I think that that's where he skipped over the wisdom part. You know what I'm saying? Was he, he was a Mormon? Don't start with so me. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> so he was seven hundred wives. This is Old Testament. Don't don't mourn with me right now. Um, and so, like, he was living life in this extravagant way, trying to find out is it worth it. 
Um, and so that's what he was trying to determine, right? Which brings us to point number two. What is it? Recognize what defines us. We have to recognize what defines us. I like this one. So um, we have what drives us, right? But then we have what defines us. Um, and so what is it that we have become known for that we don't want to let go of? You know, what is it that we've become known? What, what is it in our life? You know, um, when you introduce yourself, what is it that you take the most pride in that you wish you could put that title in front of your name? What defines you? It's a good question. You know what I mean? Um, and so what have we become known for uh, in our life? You know, I, I even referenced a, a movie, you know, uh, the Disney movie from back in the day on that used to only come on the Disney Channel um, movie called Brink. And I remember watching the. Yeah, I know. You, not, not your lane. Never but, even heard of it. Right. But uh, <laughs> but I remember the father and the son having a conversation and the dad was talking about how he was he had a profession um, and he was always so good at his profession. He had done it so long and then he got injured and he couldn't do it anymore. Um, and he was telling his son that I had defined myself by what I did for so long that when I couldn't do it anymore, I didn't know who I was because I couldn't use that title, um, to define me. And so I had to learn to be defined strictly by who I was. And I remember just watching that going, wow, Disney, like that's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a heavy hitter, you know? Um, but for us. What, how do we define ourselves? What is it that we allow ourselves to be defined by? Um, and what have we become known for um, in our life? It makes me think of people with nicknames. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like Big, Big John. Big John. You, you know what I mean? Like yeah. um, oh, that's what he's known for, being, right. being, being, big, being big. Big John. Uh, I used to work with this guy. He was huge. Huge. I don't even know his real name, but he went by Tiny. You know, but obviously it's the opposite, yeah, but, yeah. but he was huge. He was a fantastic worker. Um, just great, great guy. But in that whole thing, what you just said makes me think of nicknames, you know, and then, and then if something comes along and changes that, mm-hmm. that's kind of how they're, how they're known, you know? Sure. Sure. I mean, uh, I think of guys, I, I think of pastors like Stephen Furtick, you know, I, I wonder if there's something else out there that Pastor Stephen Furtick, Elevation Church, if you haven't heard of him, get out from under the rock you're living under. But um, Is that a big church? It's, it's, they, they, they have a few people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and I think, got, I think about guys like Pastor Stephen Furtick. I wonder what else he's good at. Singing. Well, but I mean, I <laughs> out wonder. Out of the church world? Out of the church world. Yeah. Uh, is he a great golfer? I mean, is he, uh, you know, I, I don't know. But I wonder if he's really, really good at something. Um, because the reason I say that is by default, he's only going to, and for the rest of his life, he'll only be defined as a pastor. Yeah. I mean, he's pastor Stephen Furtick. Um, and so what define, what defines us, you know, um, I like that. Am I doctor so-and-so and I get my value from being the doctor, but what happens when, if you get in a car wreck and you can no longer be that doctor anymore? You know, I got a buddy of mine who was a ridiculous tattoo artist up north. I mean, a f- like crazy good tattoo artist. And matter of fact, he nationally known, like amazing tattoo artist. Um, and he had, you know, obviously built up a lot of value on being a great tattoo artist. Problem was he got in a motorcycle wreck and he lost the ability. He lost um, function in his right hand. He was right hand dominant. Um, and so he, he doesn't do tattoos anymore. He can write with his left, but as we all know, like that, even after you retrain it, you don't become, 
yeah. what you were with your other hand, you know? Um, and so now he doesn't do tattoos anymore. And he went through six years of depression because sure. he was could no longer be this person that he had been defined by, by what he was good at. And so, but, you know, don't we, don't we all do that to a degree? Uh, yeah, that's, I would say it's very common. So, yeah. uh, and so not being defined um, by what we do, but being defined by who we are, but deriving who we are by whose we are, right? So allowing allowing uh, our new nature that comes from Christ through the Holy Spirit to be the only thing that matters to us. And when people look at us, man, I, I hope that people only look at me as an encourager and people that want to, dis- as a person that wants to disciple people and lead them closer to Christ. I want that to be the only thing that matters because that's the only thing that's eternal in my life. Everything else is going to pass away. Everything. So that's good. Uh, yeah. So then we jumped on, uh, we continue the story with Solomon just a little bit in the sermon. Um, where he talks about all the things he had accomplished, built great houses, grew, built, uh, you know, uh, gardens, vineyards, planted trees. Um, even He even dug out pools in the caverns that became the irrigation system for the trees. And uh, amazing thing, if you, go to, if you go to Israel right now, you'll still see them. I mean, it's all, all that's still there. Um, so he even tested the idea of being known for great things. Um, but even at the end of the day said, I don't even, I don't know if that's worth it. Right. <laughs> right. Which takes us to point number three. Determine what's missing. So what's missing? People, folks, listen to the podcast. What is missing? You know, and I think we all have to ask ourselves that question. Like, all right, we, we've tried it one way, right? We've all tried, you know, I wouldn't say getting famous, but we've all tried being known for something. We've all tried to buy things. We've all tried to get the latest and greatest. And at the end of the day, it, it, doesn't solve this thing in our life where we're restless and we want more peace. We like it, it doesn't fix the, I really, I'm missing something in my life, but I don't know what it is because I've tried the career. I've tried the, the education. I've tried the, the nicer car, the bigger house. I've tried all those things yet. There's still something missing. Yeah. Right. Um, and then that's where we see that Solomon comes in and says that nothing was gained under the sun. Ecclesiastes 2.11. He said, after trying it all, nothing was gained. In other words, he couldn't fill the hole um, that was missing. Um, and we, we kind of take a, a glimpse um, into um, the, the world of Paul where he says that, man, I'll give it all up for Christ. I, I, you can take it all. I don't need it. It's all garbage. None of it's worth anything. Um, and I'll trade all of that for Christ. And so we, we jump to the new Testament. We see Paul talking about how it means nothing. So Solomon's telling us it means nothing, even though Solomon had more money, um, mm-hmm. bigger parties, nicer things, a lot of houses. Cause if he had 700 wives, you best believe he had 700 houses. Cause you ain't slamming up two wives in one house that like mm-hmm. he had a lot of wisdom, right? So, <laughs> so you've got like he had all these things and at the end it meant nothing. We fast forward to Paul new Testament says the same thing. It's all garbage. None of it means anything. Right? So what is missing and uh, what we landed on is that what is missing um, in our life is Shalom. It's peace. Uh, And when we look at the word Shalom, which is what is what represents peace in the Bible, but it's a peace uh, only understood within the context of God's spirit. Mm -hmm. So it's not peace like two fingers peace. It's not peace like well, I'm not at war. We're talking about a peace that it's, it's a restfulness, right? It's a God has given us rest. We're no longer seeking, but we're, we're complete, right? It's this shalom, the idea that God is enough. 
it's like with Paul, you know, all the stuff we mentioned, he went through you know, snake bite, shipwrecks, prison. I mean, I still think in all that he he had that piece, you know. Yeah. He was in prison in Rome, you know, but shalom. Yeah. I <laughs> you mean, your, your boy is like, hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. You yeah. kill me. I'm going to go be with, I'm going to go be with Christ. If you leave me here, I'm going to preach the gospel. Like you're not going to, it is I'm what it is. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. I mean, I'm fascinated by the early Christians. Boy was yeah. just on it. Like he yeah. never, he couldn't be swayed. You know what I mean? So I think you're right. I yeah. mean, just a shalom, like in his heart and in his mind, man, was just, he was on it. You yeah. know, Paul was, Paul was on it. So he, he's got this piece, right? So we, uh, we did a cool analogy, um, on, we, we, uh, illustrated sermon on Sunday, um, where you guys have seen the little toys um, that have the cutout shapes has a circle, a triangle, a star, a square, and the circle won't fit into the triangle space and can't put the star like the, like you have to. And it's to teach kids like how to identify shapes. I was good at that game. I, I bet you were <laughs> um, even before you were 12, right? Like Even you, before. <laughs> so we see that uh, what we did is we, we brought that out and we, we were holding the circle shape um and we were showing the people in the congregation that that god when god created us when god created all of us uh he created us whole in, in the garden adam and eve were whole they were they had shalom they had peace they were content like um they were 100 percent whole exactly how god had designed them and they had peace with god um because they were whole so we, what we see is that when sin entered the world through Adam, we no longer were whole. We no longer had peace because we were no longer rested and, and lined up with how God designed us. We decided in the garden, when I say we, I'm talking about mankind, um, Adam decided and Eve decided in the garden, they wanted something else more than they wanted God. So they decided in the garden that God wasn't enough, just like we talked about earlier. Even though I love what I have with God, I really want this fruit, Right. So they choose the fruit. Therefore, they chose vanity over peace. And that has been the fight since the garden, since Adam and Eve, has been the fight of vanity, of the obtaining, the accomplishments, or peace, peace, restfulness, like having everything that God wants for us. And so we took the toy and we bring it you know, we bring it in and we, we, we brought up a bunch of different items, you know, a, a truck, we brought in trophies, all that stuff, trying to show that it doesn't matter how big the things in life get for you. If it's not the right size, it's not about being bigger. It's not about being better. It's not about being brighter or flashier or more golden or more having more diamonds on it. It's not about having bigger, brighter, flashier things. It's about having right, the right things, things. Yeah. and the right thing that you need in your life is the peace of God. You need that peace in your spirit. Otherwise, you'll always be trying to get something bigger and better and you'll never you'll find yourself never having the peace that you want in your life because you're never going to be able to fill the hole, fill the space, fill the void that is missing by not having the peace of God. It's good. So, um huge, man. Huge huge. Huge. <laughs> so, uh, so vanity was the conversation, but peace was the destination, right? So like we wanted people to understand that without peace, you're never going to find yourself content. You're never going to find yourself rested. You know, we've all laid down. We, we were mentally exhausted. We were physically exhausted, but we couldn't rest. 
um, because that restlessness came from not having peace. Um, but man, when I'm in line with what God is doing in my life, when I'm in line with my purpose, with my calling, with with um, God's plan in my life and what he wants to do in us and through us, when we're aligned in that, man, we're right exactly where God wants us to be. And I can rest being where God wants me to be, even if my life isn't exactly what I want it to be. Right. Right. So people come to me all the time. You know, I'll use Jabin as an example. People come to us all the time. Like, man, how do you guys keep doing it? How do you keep waking up um, and continuing to do ministry and, and live in life and, and, uh, you know, showing up and preaching the gospel and all these things. How do you keep doing that? And I keep looking back at them with like, man, it's just about peace. Like, am I, do I have everything I want to have? No. Um, but I have peace because God is 100% enough for me. Like I'm not out here trying to obtain more things. And I think, I think crisis in our life does that. I think when we go through difficult times, um, and we go through difficult situations and things that we can't control, that forces us to let God mm-hmm. be enough, you know, in our mind. It's like, well, I can't control this. So I'm going to have to give this over to God. And when we do that in our nature, we don't just give that over to God. We learn to give it all over to God. Like I'm, you're, you're in control of the whole ship, you know, <laughs> right? because I can't, uh, it's not that um, I can control a little bit of this. I can't control any of it. So since I can't control the things that I really want to control, why don't you just take control of everything? Yeah. Um, so we get put in that position with God. So, um, which brings us to number four, man, how do we get peace? Right. That was the, that was the that's, question that's at the, the end, right? How do we get peace? Well, the short answer, um, is that we have to fill the space in our life, uh, with the only thing that is actually missing. So we try to fill it with things that aren't missing. You know, we don't need trophies. We don't need faster cars. We don't need bigger houses. Those are just things we try filling it with. We need to fill it with the only thing that is missing. And the only way that you're going to find yourself rested um, and, and, and not in a state of restlessness and not in a state of chaos and pursuit, the only time you're going to find that is when you're at peace with who God is in your life. Um, and when the only way you're going to do that is to have complete surrender to who God wants to be in your life, right? Um, and we... We showed some different scriptures, uh, Philippians and, and Ecclesiastes, but I want to get down to the quote before we wrap this up. The quote's good. Because the quote was good. Blaise Pascal says, at one point, there was a true happiness in man where now resides only an empty space, which he tries to fill from what's around him. He looks to fill it by obtaining what he does not have. All these things are inadequate because a space infinitely deep can only be filled by an infinite object. That is to say, only by God himself. Hello. Okay. So, and that last part, man, just a a space infinitely deep, that hole, that space, that void in your life, you've tried to fill it with shallow objects. That space in your life that is infinitely deep can only be filled by an object that is infinite, and that is God himself. Man, what a killer so man it's about peace right so we talked about vanity that was the that was the approach but vanity is really what we try to use because we don't have peace right so let's go through let's go through those these points again uh, as we get ready to wrap this up justin yeah so when dealing with the iceberg of vanity number one recognize what drives us number two recognize what defines us number three determine what's missing and four, ask the question, how do I get peace? Right. And we answer that question with, we get peace by filling the space, filling the void in our life with the only thing that is actually missing. And that's a peace with God. That's good. So. 
Awesome. Amen. Awesome. Well, we're really loving this uh, weekly follow-up podcast. You can also find the the sermons uh, on, on the podcast as well. If you're subscribed to that, make sure you subscribe and share these podcasts. It really helps us out and helps us uh, helps us in the, in the iTunes store and things like that. But we really just want to provide value. So make sure you like and subscribe and share and all that. You can find Transformation Church online at TransformationChurch.com and on Facebook and Instagram at Transformation Pensacola. Correct, correct. And you can uh, find us, uh, like we said, uh, Brad Livingston underscore. So at Brad Livingston underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Yes, uh, sir. Justin, where you at? At Justin Oswald underscore Instagram, uh, Instagram and Twitter as well. Yeah. Awesome. So, and then listen, guys, like we said, we would love to hear from you. We would love to hear what you think. Um, maybe some uh, quick testimonies of what God's doing in your life in regards to the Iceberg series. Or how about questions, man? We would love to hear questions that you have. We would love to answer them, give you a shout out on next week's podcast. So send those to follow up at transformationchurch.com. Send us an email or you can hit us up on Twitter. We're totally fine with you finding us on Twitter and asking a question on there. Um, So either one, whichever one you would like to do, man, let's just uh, continue to add value and continue to capitalize on the 167, which is bringing um, the gospel alive uh, in many formats outside of Sunday morning so that we can continue to be man, equipped um, and and brought into a place where God's purpose and his plan for our life uh, is something we're more equipped for. And so we just hope that these podcasts are really helping you guys out. Absolutely. We hope you guys have an awesome week. Catch you next, next week. Sounds good. Thanks guys.